millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Dear listener, welcome to Vomos Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're delighted to have your company. And I have a very special guest on Zoom this afternoon. And I'd like to welcome Pastor Margaret Hort, all the way from Perth. Welcome, Margaret. Great to be with you and being able to speak across the nation in this time. Yes, it's lovely to have you as our special guest. And there's so much we can talk about. But as we start the program, I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to the Lord. I guess many people would know about the tennis side, but I'm really curious about your relationship with God and when that started. Well, I originally come from Aubrey, New South Wales, and uh, went to Melbourne when I was about 15 and furthered my training there. And... uh, uh, so I'm originally from the eastern part of Australia, but I gave my heart to Christ uh, when I was number one in the world in tennis, and I was right at the top. It was back in 1971 in that, that era there. And I knew, I, you know, I had a, gr- a great husband, a fame, money, uh, everything was going right. But I used to, as a girl, always go to church, and every Sunday I was from a Catholic background. And... Uh, and, but I knew there was something more than me, uh, than tennis. Uh, sometimes I'd say, God, I've just got no strength left or uh, what, what do I do? I, I knew he was there, but I didn't have the reality of him. And, uh, and I feel at that time in my career, I just wanted to know him and reached out to him. And I came home here to Perth and a friend of mine, she'd gone along to a meeting and said, I just gave my heart to Christ. I said, you know, I was inquiring about that and somebody gave me a little book on it. I said, I'd like to come with you. And so it was at that time. And I had a real encounter. Um, I knew if I was absent from the body, be present with the Lord. It was so real to me. And I've never lost that, even though you go through things in life, uh, you know, and I didn't know anything about it. It was Romans 10, 9 and 10, when you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I knew about him. I thought he's in the sky somewhere. But when I actually said that prayer, he came to live on the inside of me. And I went back onto the tennis circuit and I wanted everybody to come to know Jesus because it was so real to me. And I would share that little prayer and I got so many people saved and they gave their heart to Christ. So it was something in those, I'd won everything, um, but I just, I just knew there was more to life than what what I was doing and what I had. So uh, it was very real to me. And, I mean, after 40-something years, it's still very real to me. Well, that is so remarkable because quite often when people uh, hit that pinnacle of success, quite often they can feel very self-assured and very independent and may feel like they have a need of nothing. But in your inner being, you felt that there was something missing from what you're saying, and you finally responded even when you had become number one in the world. Um, well, we went, a unique... well Sorry, we, we went through from amateur tennis to open tennis in 1967, 
that was when the money came into it. Uh, you know, you had fame, you had money, uh, you had all those things, but I never really liked the limelight too much. I didn't uh, go uh, looking for the publicity side. I didn't like public speaking very much. Um, and uh, I loved tennis and I love representing my nation and playing for my nation. And that's all that really mattered to me. If, if, if I could play tennis in Australia all the time, that would have been fine because I used to get homesick. But right. then when I married in 1967 and my husband went with me, that made it so much easier for me. Probably played some of my best tennis after that. But I never liked all the limelight that went with it. So I think, you know, I always sensed I would talk to God in the way that I knew him, didn't know the Bible. Um, but I knew sometimes when I was playing there was such a strength came into me, I knew there was something more than me. And so I started to inquire because I went to Mass in France and they were in French and Latin. I didn't understand a word. But I said, God, it has to be more to it than this. If you're real, reveal yourself to me. So that's how it all really started. Wow. So this was, you, in a sense, were searching for something you knew was missing, but something potentially was real and you wanted to experience that. And now from that experience, when did you start getting into the Word? Because you mentioned just before that you didn't really know the Bible that well in the early stages. Well, it was after I really, I went back onto tennis after becoming a born-again Christian. And um, I, it was after I finished tennis, uh, I'd had, had a, we'd had a child when I was back on tour after uh, sort of coming to Christ, got back to number one in the world again. And then after finishing tennis, had three more children. It was after that we had a farm. Uh, and then life didn't go too well there. I finished up uh, getting into depression, finished up with the torn valve of the heart, uh, insomnia, had four little children under eight. And my husband was always, we owned a farm. He was up at the farm a lot. And it came to a place in my life where life wasn't worth living. And wow. uh, it was during that time I was on medication for heart. I was on medication for depression. Somebody said to me, why don't you come along and hear the word of God? And why don't you come to Bible school? So I decided, well, I was desperate. And uh, I didn't want to be on medication for the rest of my life and I didn't want to be going through depression. And so I started to go to Bible school. It was back in 1982 and it was while I was in Bible school that my whole life was changed. During Bible school, I didn't need the depression tablets anymore and it was during Bible school in the middle of the second year I knew that my heart was healed. So the Word of God, the Scriptures changed my life tremendously. Well, that's remarkable. How powerful is God's word? Thank you for that. That is really interesting. One of the things you mentioned is how much you actually loved Australia before as well. And if you just could have played tennis in Australia, you would have done that. So let's move on now. Um, obviously, you've seen a big change in Australia over the many years that you've been in Australia. Can you describe Australia, you know, in the early days when you became a Christian to what you see in Australia nowadays? Should I say from a spiritual perspective or a moral perspective? Well, from a, a spiritual side, you know, I always knew my gift was from God as a little girl. 
and uh, I went to a school where there was very good morals and values and those things were placed into my life. And people used to say to me, why are you so good at tennis? I said, because it's a gift from God. And I think we were, we were brought up with the Our Father and um, prayer and I used to pray even when I was on the tennis circuit and I was single and away, I'd, I'd kneel down and pray and um, thank God. Uh, and I know I was protected uh, because when I was little, my mum nearly died having me and I nearly died. So I always knew I didn't know I'd be doing what I'm doing today. But there was always those values and morals and all these things were planted into me. I knew that marriage was between a man and a woman. All the wonderful values, the moral values uh, were placed into my life and I knew that was there. I was brought up with them. So I didn't have any doubts on that area. I knew I was born a girl even though I was very much a tomboy and in our street was eight boys and I used to love kicking the football and playing cricket. And I, I don't know how I'd fit into society today because I was such a tomboy. I used to say to my mum, why wasn't I born a boy? You know, I loved all the boys' sports better than the dolls and all those sort of things. And, uh, you know, but I had two brothers and I knew we were different. Uh, and, you know, they, they'd look after me. I was special as a girl. So, you know, things were placed into your life. You didn't even doubt that. There wasn't any yes. doubt placed there by society. And that's why I think when I was brought up, there was really no television. There was no Facebook. There was nothing to question in, at you at school that there was anything else. Because I know as a teacher of the Word of God that the mind is a battlefield. And yes. what the children go through today... I would never have gone through, you know, because I thought things would have been planted in my mind, but I was brought up in Christian values, Christian uh, background, even though I didn't know Jesus as I know him today, but I was brought up with those principles and values, which to me are so important and so many children are robbed of today. You know, you, you come from an ape or you come from... I didn't have all that. And I think how sad it is because... We were placed to value one another, to honour one another, to respect one another. I was brought up to honour my elders and uh, to honour God. And, uh, you know, I look what the children go through today. My heart really goes out for them. Mm. Now, those standards you just shared there, uh, back in the 70s and the 80s, uh, that would have been reasonably common for Australians not even to question those things and to, in general, accept that. Well, when I was, I was born in back, you know, in the 42. So I was in the 40s and 50s as a child. But then these things started to come in. You know, you, you started to see certain things on the tennis circuit. Uh, you know, the 70s, probably there's a, a little bit of change. But before that, you know, when I even went to Melbourne as a 15-year-old, there was no question on any of those things back even then. And that was the late 50s uh, and sort of into the early 60s. Uh, but it wasn't, as you say, down into the 70s, the 80s. I think feminism started to come in. Sure. A lot of these things uh, were being talked about and, uh, you know, you start to see the changes starting to come a little bit, creeping into sport. 
uh, and you think, you know, I wasn't brought up on those things. I, I didn't know any of the things that was any homosexuality or lesbians or anything like that until I went overseas. You didn't hear of it in Australia at all. Wow. Now, it's interesting you mentioned the, uh, the 50s and the 60s. I know the 1966 census in Australia, 88% of the population then still claimed to be Christian. We're down to about 52% in the 2016 census. So in a period of about 50 years, there's been a 36% shift, uh, which is quite significant. So now coming back to your open letter you wrote to Qantas, were you quite surprised by the response or the backlash from the media regarding what you said? Because these were the values you were brought up with and these were the values that typically were held in common with all Australians. Well, you are, but I think also there's been a lot of work behind the scenes before all that. I think also what was happening in schools because, you know, when we were young, even in the public schools, you had the Our Father. Uh, so much has been taken out of schools. Uh, and as I said earlier, that the mind is so important. The mind's the battlefield. What we're putting into people's minds... I think the press, uh, particularly ABC, a lot of them uh, had a lot of stuff, a lot of things leading up to it. And uh, I think what went on is, and the bullying back to against Christianity, there was such a spirit of intimidation came into the nation. People were too scared to talk. People were too scared to stand up for their values. And the interesting thing was... Uh, that I know out in the marketplace after gay marriage went through, how many people came to me in the supermarkets everywhere. I never had one person come to me that ever said, I don't agree with you. I think my concern was the Christians did not stand up. And I think Christianity, uh, there was a price to pay because if we're not God's voice in the earth, there's no light. And light drives out darkness. And Amen. the only way you can bring light is through the voice. Well, television, radio, everywhere got the voice uh, against any values, any morals, against marriage. Uh, my Christian values and uh, marriage and everything I've brought has always come from the Bible. It's not me personally because I say what God says about it from the beginning of yes. the beginning was God made man for woman and woman for man, male and female, uh, made us in the image of he. Uh, it's in the Bible and then Jesus said it and then again in the epistles, uh, Paul says it. So it's written right throughout the Bible from the old and new and they think you're old fashion and everything else. But it was very organised. There was a lot of money behind it. But, the, uh, but I believe Christians became so intimidated but if there, as I said, if there's no voice, like we're speaking, if there's no speaking about these things, it just starts to die. And Christianity's been dying because the church has not been a voice. She's been ashamed of the gospel and ashamed of what is said in the Bible. And many, many Christians have moved further and further away from what the Bible says. And that's very dangerous to Christianity because, you know, the Word of God asks of you to do something. The Word of God is a living thing. It becomes living within us. We become the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece 
of Jesus in the earth. We are his children in the earth. He's not going to do it. He's waiting for us to do it. And if there's no voice, um, darkness starts to overtake, creeps in uh, in a greater capacity, a bit like a cancer that can become to a nation. And that's why they got the media and uh, into places that were very important to them. And I'll be honest, the church has been asleep. It's time for her to wake up and grow up and get up because we have the answer to Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. And now you're wondering why with all the corona, we've got so much fear, mental depression, suicide. They're all things because of darkness. And if you don't know Christ, the Christ within us and the love of Jesus Christ, I tell you, you look at the nations and think, what is going on? And, I mean, that's starting to happen. Yes, well, one of the things I like that you emphasise there is the, the power of God's word. And if we're not a witness for his word, then you would be not going to dispel any darkness. Darkness will overwhelm the light when the light is actually hid under a bushel, as the King James says. And uh, it's the apostle in First Peter chapter 1, and verse 23, that says that we are born by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So fads come and go. Uh, culture shifts all the time, but it's the word of God that endures. And it's the word of God that even after all this is over and done, Christ comes, it'll be the word that still remains. So thank you for that important point. It's really interesting. So when you actually wrote that open letter to, um, to Qantas, you were quite aware that there might be some response and quite a significant response potentially. Uh, yes. Uh, I know there's a grace on my life. Uh, I know God was with me because... I never really wanted to speak out. And I remember they, because I'd said, well, marriage is between a man and a woman, the television in the midst of it all then wanted to talk to me. And I knew this wonderful presence of God that came upon my life. And I thought, well, there's something in this and I'm going to stand for marriage because it's for the future of our nation or anything. I'd stand for abortion uh, because to me that's murder. Uh, euthanasia I stood I, I've been standing in all these things but because uh, they want to intimidate you you don't or they don't want to hear from you or you know when they come to you they don't bring you forward in that area because they know you are a voice they they want to stop you from speaking and I, and I feel that's very much what has been happening but I know there's a grace on my life and uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And just as we're talking about the word of God, that's what God takes me back to. Because in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. God is the word. Holy Spirit, how did you perform the word? People will pass through this earth, but they need to know Jesus Christ. Uh, they need to know that there's this spiritual realm, which is far greater than the natural realm. Mm. And so uh, that's why they don't want me to talk. They don't want me to speak. Uh, because I'll only say what God says. And it's a creative yes. force, you see. So they know that. And uh, there's two realms, good and evil. The demonic knows that. God knows that on his side. But it's like the darkness, darker sides become a louder voice than God's side, and that's why God's people have to rise up in this time. Yeah, it's interesting with uh, cultural Marxism, so on is sentencing being taught at schools and universities and being promoted through the media and all other means, uh, what they call cancel culture, where they try and silence our witness, where they call on what they call deplatforming. So they'll take your platform away for the ability to share your voice and your That's worldview. Right. That's right. That's exactly what you've experienced. 
But at the end of the day, I mean, Voice of the Martyrs has been involved with ministry for the persecuted church for many, many years. And so we've had many people look at this from varying uh, perspectives. And ultimately, we've boiled down persecution to this simple common denominator. It's simply the desire of someone else who disagrees with you to shut down your witness for Christ and his truth. That is what persecution is. And the the forms of persecution will take on many facets. It could be through intimidation. It could be through trying to shut down your witness for Christ. It could be by actually more severe means. It could be you don't get opportunities in the workplace. You get kicked off campus. You might get thrown into prisons in some places, some places tortured, just to silence your witness for Christ. But this really, what is the, what you've experienced is exactly that. It full, full, let me say that again. What you've experienced falls exactly within that category of persecution. Now, there's something that you mentioned before that was very interesting. You weren't so see so much surprised about the response from, I guess, the secular media but you seem to be a little bit disappointed that there weren't many other voices lifted up with your voice from the church to stand up for the changes they were trying to make uh, in regards to um, redefining what marriage is according to the Bible. Could you perhaps elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I think it surprised me that there wasn't more voices across the nation Uh, because I came to a place in all of that to think maybe we read a different Bible. And uh, I think that's what I was surprised because I said to men of God, I have them sitting in our church. And I said, I love them. But a wrong doesn't make a right. Because they say we have them sitting in our church, but we don't want to offend them. And uh, that was the difference. I said, well, Uh, We need to know the truth and it's important to speak the truth because, you know, with the two realms of darkness and light, the dark knows how to intimidate, they know how to be a voice. That's why righteousness exalts a nation. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, people mourn. And so darkness is trying to rule in the spiritual realm and that's why the church has to awake the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. And we take That's back right. the heavens. We're not, we don't fight against flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And that's why the heavens belong to the Lord, but he's given the earth to the children of men. And that's why the church has to know who she is in Christ, the Christ within her, so that she can be that voice, that that voice carries weight, that voice carries power and authority, because we're not coming against people. God loves people. He loves the whole world. He loves the church right. and he loves all mankind. So we've got to take mm. that word and know that God is love, that his love is in us. But we have the power and authority to shift the realm of the heavens. The Lord gave me probably nearly two years ago three words, a realigning, a redesigning, and a refiring. Well, we took to realign the nation a bit like that plumb line. And that's how we do it through the word of God. We don't do it any other way. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word, we realign, we redesign some things over our nation. We push back that darkness. And the church needs to be refired in this time with revival fire to know the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ to take to a lost and dying world. I don't get caught up too much in what they're saying, but what God says. So I've got to come back with what God says, not what mm. the world is saying. 
And that's where we can diffuse a lot of what the world is coming against in Christianity. That's why they're taking the word of God out of the schools so the children don't hear there is a God, there's a real God who is the creator of the heaven and the earth. And so, you know, the word of God, it's got to come back into the schools. It's got to come back into the universities because man, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word won't. But there's mm -hmm. men and women out there going to hell and they don't know it because the church hasn't shared it or the church has probably declined a little bit from speaking the truth. And it's only the truth that will set people free. And there's too many people at this stage uh, suicide, mental breakdowns, emotionally, look through the corona. They don't know what to do with the mental disorders at the moment. So it's only through the scripture, through the word of God, that we can change the history of a nation. Governments do not change the history of a nation. It's the church that shifts and changes the history of a nation. Well, that's so powerful. And as I'm thinking about the fact that you're saying that the spiritual will endure, but uh, all the other things are temporary, reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says that the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen, these that's are the things right. that are eternal. And that spiritual realm and understanding that and being born again so that we can see the kingdom of God and then enter the kingdom of God is so important. So have you got any advice for other people, perhaps who are a little bit nervous or anxious about sharing the word? What can they do? And what would your advice be in case they do experience uh, cancel culture or deplatforming like you have? Well, I think, uh, you know, after I became a Christian, I didn't have the word of God. I wasn't taught the word of God. I didn't know the reality of the word of God. And I think it's very important to... Uh, renew your mind. He said, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I learned Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but make a request. You know, we can come to the Lord with a lot of cares, worries, stresses, fear, and that will hold us captive from understanding and have a revelation of a wisdom of the word of God. And I think for it to becoming a living thing, We've got to learn to pull down those strongholds of the mind that will try and hold us captive or we'll never grow in the knowledge of it or the understanding of it or the healing power of it, uh, that it is a force. And I think people have to, to take time in prayer. Uh, you prayer life in intimacies with God. He can reveal things to you no man can reveal to you. So your prayer life is very important. I always look at Jesus there were three things with Jesus, and I always teach on that, is he had a prayer life, he knew the word, and he knew the Holy Spirit. And I think if we can do that and we genuinely want to grow, it's sharing the love of Jesus, but we need to know the, what the Bible says on marriage. We need to know what the Bible says on abortion. I mean, it just aghasts me at the moment to think that states having full-term abortion and uh, your leg can be coming out and you can still have an abortion, but a man can kill the baby a week later and go to prison, but a doctor can still take the life of a baby. And, and you see the life of a baby, this is where they come with the life at the beginning and then life at the end with euthanasia. And, mm. and so satanic. And, and so you to think even these things that, there's a world out there that if you're a mum and dad, that you even think that this is all right. That's hard for me. Uh, and, you know, and, and people just turn an eye to it. I think we're, we're living in a time where uh, we just need to 
go back to the basics of the values and morals uh, of prayer, uh, knowing the Bible and knowing there is the Holy Spirit, that he comes to live in us when we give our heart to Christ, that he becomes very, very real on the inside of you. And, uh, you know, this nation is known as the great south land of the Holy Spirit. So it's time for the church particularly uh, to allow that presence and atmospheric presence of God to come back into our nation. Amen. That is such good advice. And I love your emphasis on the word, on prayer, and also the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And the other thing is you kept on coming back to, which has been really encouraging, is the principle of love, that God's love is shed abroad in our hearts. And even when we speak out against principles contrary to God's word, it's not motivated by uh, anger or uh, hatred for people. It's actually motivated by love for God and a love for our fellow man. And even for people we disagree with, it doesn't mean we don't love them. We still love them. We may disagree with the practice. We may disagree with their, their point of view, but it's always motivated by God's love. And that is so powerful. Powerful love can, can win people where nothing else can. That's right. And I think if you get God's word in you and you know him, uh, you know that love nature is in you and your motive needs to be loved behind it. I love my nation. I love the people of this nation. You know, when I was playing tennis, uh, I used to say, I love my nation. I was always saying that it's been built into me for many, many years. That's why we meditate the word of God, because then it gets down into our heart, into our spirit, man. If we don't meditate on the word of God and ask God to reveal it to us, it won't get down into our heart. When it gets down into our heart, it's made alive in our mortal flesh and our circumstances and, uh, you know, I used to say, I love my nation. Well, I can start praying for my nation and talk about my nation and start crying for my nation because I've always loved mm. it. And you don't, I think to me, I don't want to see the young people go through what they're going through today. They don't need to uh, if mm. they knew the love of God and they knew the Our Father, let it be here on earth as it is in him. We can know God's presence Amen. here and his love here. And I think that's what gets me as I see young children not learning these things and they're learning so much rubbish and, and transgender at such an early age. You know, you can become a boy at the age of six if you're a girl or a girl become a boy, all these things. And, I mean, their minds are not developed, uh, you know, to even know what they want to be, but they haven't heard about God, that God made them a boy. Mm. Or God made them a girl, and uh, you know, yes. and that they've got something to look. God made me, you know. I only knew that as a little girl that God made me, and uh, you know, they don't have that opportunity what we had, and they miss out. They miss mm. out on so much. Yeah, that's true. Well, my last question to you, Pastor Court, is: uh, What do you think the future holds for the Christian Church here in Australia? Are you optimistic? Well, I believe, uh, I know here in the West, there's a tremendous unity coming. And uh, we've just had prayer summit and we've had prayer together, WA, but there's a lot of ministers coming together across this state. And we have an honour and respect for one another. And I believe a lot more ministers are starting to stand up in this state. And, uh, you know, I, I feel even across the nation, uh, there's just something happening um, that, that is happening in our nation. And I believe it's turning people's hearts and minds back to the Word of God. Uh, I think 
uh, coronavirus is making people have a good look. Hey, mm. uh, the signs of the times. If you look at the world today, it's a bit of a mess in every nation you look at. True. And we are a very blessed nation and we should be so mm. thankful uh, for what we have in this nation. I believe the church will arise in this nation. I believe she'll become a greater voice in this nation. And I believe the best is yet to come for this nation. Wonderful. Those are very encouraging words. And it does remind me, I think it's uh, Ephesians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul talks about us coming to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ, that we shall no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But that knowledge of the Son of God is what will unite us. This is the Word of God, ultimately, that platform that will unite us as Christians. And I think it's so important for us to focus on that, spend time in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth like Jesus said he would. Well, you know, I think... Uh God didn't create coronavirus, but God's using it. And I believe there's more prayer going in our nation at this time on Zooms across the nation, across the world, actually. There's such a dooms of prayer. I've never seen prayer going forth like it is going at this time. And I've been on some of those Zooms, and it's very, very powerful what God is doing. And uh, we haven't seen what God, we're about to see some of the things that God's on the move. And, uh, Mm. you know, it's through his people and people who have a heart. Uh, You know, in the Old Testament, God moved nations on the half of one or two. And, I mean, we've got a whole lot of people at the moment that God's using, uh, particularly in prayer warriors and prayer intercessors uh, that God, and he'll hearken unto the voice of our prayers and our cries in this time because um, it's God saying the same thing in the world today. So I think we will see such a move in the nations of the world. Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Margaret, for being a, a voice for God's truth and for his church here in Australia. And dear listener, thank you for joining us today on Vom Oz Radio. It's been a pleasure to have your company. And I just want to thank you, Margaret. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us, your testimony, and also your encouragement for us as Christians. Thanks, CJ. Lovely talking with you. Amen. Amen. And dear listener, we hope to catch up with you again next time. Until then, God bless. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.